Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Thanks for downloading today's episode. It's Wednesday, October the 21st, and I'm joined on the podcast today by community reporter Oliver Kemp, who's been spending time in Thanet as part of a special report. Back in the day, the towns of Margate, Broadstairs and Ramsgate were holiday destinations for tens of thousands of Brits. But when cheap flights to the likes of Spain became more popular, the Costa del Kent seemed to lose a bit of its sparkle. It's now the most deprived part of the county, with a high level of unemployment and more than a third of children in the area were living in poverty last year. So firstly, Ollie, tell us a bit more about the facts and figures then that give Thanet that title that no area ever really wants. Yeah, the figures are stark, Nicola, to put it lightly. First, this is nothing new. In 2016, the Kent Public Health Observatory said that health outcomes are worse in Thanet than Kent and England, and that inequalities are wider than in any other Kent district. Around 37% of children were in poverty in 2018 into 2019 after housing costs are taken out, and 10.8% of people in Thanet were unemployed in August 2020, only beaten by Medway, which is of course a more densely populated area. Among those claiming benefits is David. Tell us a bit about him. David had a high-flying job in London for many years, but a combination of relationship breakdown and health issues put him in a really difficult position. He went from living a good life to being removed from his home by his landlord and sofa surfing for months. And sofa surfing then turned into sleeping on the streets of Thanet for four long months of the winter. Luckily, he was eventually put in contact with homeless charities and placed into the benefits system. He's now been living in his council flat in Cliftonville for almost three years. So I lost everything, basically. And then um, depression set in. And I've got some, some underlying health issues as well that um, don't help the depression. So basically, I've got arthritis, so there are days when I can't walk to go to the loo of cooling on hands and knees some days. Um, um, and so that gets you down. Uh, and now COVID, I was hoping to be back at work at the beginning of this year, but no, that's blown out of the window because people are not recruiting very much, well, for not what I do anyway. There's a lot of heritage here that people feel comfortable plugging into. Um, problem is, is locals, people who've been brought up here, just see economic failure and uh, they, they don't aspire to work elsewhere in Chatham, say, or in London or whatever. They don't have the skills because a lot of schools here are not very good on the um, TEFL lists. So that's a large part of the problem. So people are inculcated into this mentality. And it's crap. It's always going to stay crap. Why should I bother? And it's got one of the highest rates in the country of people signing on for one reason or another. And so it's, it's a difficult job to change that. And it's always been that way. It's the island. Not Thanet, the island. And it is that kind of mentality. I was brought up in Canterbury. Although I went to school down here, I consider Canterbury to be home. Um, um, first few jobs were in Canterbury, went to college there. Um, latter years I went to university there. Um, and it's just completely different mentality. There's this acclimation to achieve and succeed where that doesn't exist here. Everything's rubbish. But it's not. And it seems David's story really can be replicated many times over in Thanet. You met him in a cafe that's trying to help more people in that same situation, didn't you? 
Yeah, so the kitchen is run by Alexander Rourke and Anne Newstead, and it's what's known as a community cafe. It's run on surplus, so 90% of the food they cook with is left over from supermarkets and would otherwise be heading to landfill. So it's a really good way of stopping waste and being able to feed people good, hearty meals without them having to pay the same amount they would in a regular restaurant. And Rourke, as he's affectionately known by the regulars, said if some people come in and they don't have the money to pay, then they don't have to. A main meal would be £3, a starter is £1.50 and a dessert is one fifty. But that's not the end of it because if you came in and you didn't have £3, we'll feed you anyway. We won't stop anybody at the front door because of what they do or don't have in their wallet. Now you might decide that £3 is not enough for a half ounce steak dinner, so you may choose to pay £6, we've even had people pay £10 for it. And what that does is that helps us in sharing the cost of the free food that we give away to people. The people that are here have got a lot to offer, it just needs to be teased out of them. Um, and I think that's the problem, people say Fanny is just a, a dead end or it, you know, we we will be laughed at for being the the bottom of the pot as it were and unfortunately for every time that people here hear that it's it's an extra sort of straw on a camel's back that finally breaks them down but when you speak to people and when you see people they do have dreams they do have aspirations they do have plans and desires and hopes it's just just trying to tease that out of people and give them the opportunity to actually say you can do that and I think that's the problem with this area we need more people to come down and say yes you can rather than oh san it and, and that's what we try to do here is to actually say to people and point people and say you know you can do this there is a hope now, clearly, money is being invested in the area. The Turner Contemporary Art Gallery, which you might well have been to, for example, is a bit of a beacon of regeneration in the area. But, Ollie, is that working? It's debatable, I think. Whilst it's true that investments like the Turner Contemporary have driven more people into the area, there are more arts organisations and therefore some more jobs, it's unclear how much that's actually helping those experiencing poverty and social deprivation. I sat down with Debbie Elliston, who's been running the Thanet Food Link since 2013. This is a food bank serving people living in Cliftonville and other areas of Thanet. And her feeling was that though it's nice to have these arts-based investments, they're probably not a benefit to those whose basic needs aren't being met. I think there's a lot of deprivation, certainly in the area where St Paul's Church, and so that is a square mile of quite significant deprivation. Um, we've seen things improving. We've seen um, new regeneration coming into the area. But I would say largely it hasn't hit the people that we work with, the people who, who really struggle, the people who are on low incomes, people living in multiple occupancies. If you think of things like hierarchy of needs, at our baseline level, we need shelter. We need food, we need shelter. And it's only once we've got our baseline needs met that we can start looking at things like entertainment, arts and that sort of thing. They come above. You can't think about, you know, whether you want to go to the Turner if you don't know whether you've got accommodation over your head that night or if you've got food. In my opinion, funding needs to go into accommodation, affordable accommodation. We've got um, somebody who's lived here a long time who's just recently been given an eviction notice through no fault of their own at all, none at all. And in order to get accommodation, they either have to have a guarantee 
guarantor or they have to pay six months in a rent in advance if you're in poverty six months rent in advance is very difficult impossible and getting a guarantor is very difficult it puts somebody else in a difficult position so affordable accommodation would be would change things greatly for local people it really would so earlier david and rourke both said how people in thanet do have dreams and indeed do have aspirations but often feel suppressed and unable to achieve one young man who definitely came to the area with dreams was Anik. Tell us about his story. Yeah, Anik is a, an inspiration. He came to the UK with his family in 2015 and he's now at the London School of Economics. He wants to eventually return to Thanet and try to help those who are in situations of poverty. He noticed the deprivation almost immediately, which is not something he personally expected coming to this country. And it was really in his experience of the education system that it became clear to him. I think there's a huge gap, there's a huge divide between people. I think there are two sides of Thanet, at least, where people just do not interact. For example, people living in, say, Kingsgate, in Broadstairs, you know, all those million pound houses. I don't think they have any contact with someone, I don't know, in Cliftonville, which is just down the road. When I first moved here, I went to a school called Hortsdown Academy. And there I just, I don't know, there I just saw a level of deprivation I had never quite seen before. I didn't realize like how much, even in a country like this, because my view of UK was that, you know, it's a first world country. So, you know, people are generally better off, you know, just, and all my friends would be just like they were in Saudi Arabia. But I didn't realize, you know, how many of them were struggling. You know, I had loads of friends who, you know, in that one year, in the, I was in Hartsdown for one year. During that time, two people I personally know who I spent day with got evict, evicted from their house. But then on the flip side, after I moved away from Hartsdown and came to uh, went to this grammar school, everything sort of all this disappeared. Quite interesting to hear there how he feels there's also a social divide within Thanet itself. Now, his education appears to have helped him move away from the deprivation he experienced, but others aren't quite so lucky. But there is a project trying to help as many young people as possible. It's called Pie Factory Music. Can you tell us about the work that they're doing? So Pie Factory has been going now for nearly 20 years. And interestingly, managing director Steph actually went to sessions herself when she was younger before then returning and running things herself. And what the organisation wants to do is instill confidence in the young people in the area and give them a creative outlet that's sorely lacking for the most part. So it's about getting them interested in music production, performance, things like that. But Steph made it clear, above all, it's offering a space where young people can go and just be themselves. In usual times we offer um, open access sessions five nights a week where they can come in and use our studio, um, they can just relax and chill with their friends and we try and introduce them to as many creative opportunities as we can, partnering with different organisations, local artists, things like that. Um, but really the heart behind everything we do is to give young people space to express themselves, try new things um, and space where they just feel safe. We have one quote a couple of months ago from a young person who, who actually recognised, he said, this has literally saved my life. I think he recognised that actually the risks of just hanging out on the street and all the things that are, you know, can make young people vulnerable, actually being part of a community that are looking out for your mental health and your well-being and having access to support through people you trust can make the world of difference. So I think young people recognise that this is 
although we think all young people should have access, they, you know, they really benefit from it being in Ramsgate from, um, yeah, and also I think the, the fact that the local community are supportive as well, um, just maybe broadening their perspective of what life can be and where they want to be in their future. I think they recognise that it's raising their aspirations. It takes a lot to actually dig down underneath all of that to find the root of those things. And rather than seeing it as Thanet's got issues, actually doing the work to dig underneath why those issues are there, I think that still needs to happen. And I think things are being tried, but often they're quite short term. There's often restrictions around funding and resource that mean good projects start, but they don't sustain. I actually spoke to a young person a couple of years ago um, we, we were speaking about crime and why we think young people around here are involved in crime and what the root of that is. And he said hopelessness. He actually was able to articulate that it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't an external thing. It was actually something around feeling like they had no hope that was then causing them to, 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 to kind of act in certain ways. And I just thought that was a really articulate way of basically saying that young people don't feel believed in. And we're having to fight to let them know, yes, we do believe in you and you can have the life that you want. And a final thought from you, Ollie, then. What do you think you've taken away from your time in Thanet? Everybody I spoke to, without prompting them, talked about this pervading feeling of hopelessness that runs through the area. From David, who slept on the streets, to Debbie running the food bank, to Anique coming here from another country... And you can sling as many snats at the situation as you, as you like, but none of them address that collective feeling. So I think it's in the hands of people like Pie Factory, The Kitchen, to support those experiencing poverty and to show them that they're not alone. Only then will that hopelessness begin to shift and maybe things can change for the better in the future. Thank you ever so much for joining us today. And you can read Ollie's special report at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online News. In other news today, there's a warning about a disused water tower on Sheppey after a boy fell through a rotten floor. He had to be treated by paramedics after getting injured at the site on Trinity Road in Sheerness. The building is currently boarded up, but some youngsters have been breaking in to explore. Staff at a leisure centre in Medway have been made redundant after it was closed for a £5 million makeover. Splashes in Raynham won't be reopening until 2022, and council bosses have decided that Keeping some workers on would not be financially viable. It's hoped a new app developed in Kent will help people who are feeling a bit low during the pandemic. Users will be able to log how they're feeling and get inspiration from motivational quotes and even videos from stars like Gary Lineker. It's been thought up by Keith Mabbott, who runs the Street Soccer Foundation to support young people who are homeless. What we've done is build out a kind of data set of quotes, articles, some short video messages and also a mood tracker to fundamentally keep tabs on how you're feeling. And at any given point, at any given time of the day, you can take yourself out of a negative to a positive. The app is called MatchFit and is going to be free to download. Plans have been revealed for a new garden community between Tunbridge and Paddock Wood. Developers want to build more than 2,000 homes, primary school, shops and offices over the next 20 years at what will be known as Toodley Village. A pumpkin being used for a charity Guess the Weight competition has been stolen near Gravesend. 
It was to raise money for Eleanor Hospice, but was taken from the Mepham Pick Your Own Farm in Ifield Road at the weekend. You can see a CCTV image of the suspect at kentonline.co.uk. And finally today, a great granddad from Ashford is celebrating his 90th birthday by doing his normal shift at Sainsbury's. Eddie Swan started working at the Bybrook store 25 years ago at the age most people retire. He says he has no plans to stop. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham have slipped to 12th in the League One table after being beaten 2-0 at home to Portsmouth. Both goals were scored within the first 17 minutes of the match last night at Priestfield. Assistant manager Paul Rayner spoke to us after the game. We gave ourselves a, a, a mountain to climb. You know, when you turn in 2-0 against a, a quality side like Portsmouth, it was always going to be difficult. Uh, we started brightly. We asked the boys to be brave, get on the ball, cause Portsmouth problems. Uh, we were disappointed with the, the, our lack of possession on Saturday. Uh, we picked a team to uh, to try and get players on the ball in midfield. Thought we started off very, very brightly, moved the ball well. Um, you know, huffed and puffed, tried to get in the opposition half. And then we've conceded two really poor goals. You know, we're, so we're 2-0 down after 15 minutes and, you, you know, you've got a real mountain to climb after that. But, uh, you know, we, we tweaked a few things second half. And I thought, uh, you know, we played very well second half. And on another day, we could have probably nicked something out of the game. But uh, as I say, for all our uh, all our efforts in the second half, it just wasn't quite to be. And you've got to give credit to Kenny. He sets his teams up very, very well. They're very hard to break down. As I said to you yesterday, I think, Phil, they're very well organised. Um, so we're a little bit disappointed. But uh, I think there's some positives. On Saturday, wasn't really any positives to take from MK Dons. But I thought tonight there was, uh, there, was, there, was, there was certainly positives in defeat tonight. It took us a little bit of time to be just up to half time to sort of regroup, really. And uh, as I say, we tweaked a few things. Second half, we changed the shape, uh, you know, just after half time. And, and then I thought well, there was, you know, obviously they hit us on the break a couple of times, and, and Jack's made a couple of saves. But uh, in terms territorially, I thought uh, you know we put them under pressure. There was balls flashing across the box. There was there was lots of balls going in the box. Uh, their keepers made a couple of good saves, and it just wasn't to be on on the night. They'll be hoping to bounce back when they host Fleetwood Town at the weekend. Well, that's it for today, but you can also now subscribe to the IM News app and that will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to iliftmediasubs.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.